Such an honor to pastor such an amazing church. Such an honor to be a child of Abba. You know, whenever we go through this life, we have a lot of expectations. And I think the Christmas expectation can be one of the best or one of the worst for most. I know for one family, they were uh, having their Christmas celebration, a husband, a wife, and they had a few children. And man, the kids are just like kids do, ripping and tearing presents open, ripping and ripping things apart. And they're more interested in the paper and the boxes than they are the toys. And box after box, toy after toy, toy after toy. And then the husband's over there. He's opening up gift after gift. What an amazing time. This is cool. Oh, that, I love this, honey. That's amazing. It's all... But after a while, the wife noticed she doesn't have anything to open. And so she looks, and she looks at her husband as only she can. And all of a sudden, he like, catches her eye, and fear comes over instead of joy and expectation. She flips her hair and says, I expect by tomorrow morning something, a gift for me in the driveway that goes from zero to 200. And they go on. The husband's terrified. He's trying, like most men, to figure it out, to get it right, to get the right present, to do the right thing. And as he's going through his mind, the next morning, he thinks he's got it. He wraps this beautiful present. He puts it on the driveway. And when she gets up, she looks at him, and she strolls over and opens the curtain, and she sees this beautiful package on the driveway. Now, she was expecting a car to go zero to 200, and she thought, well, it is a beautifully wrapped present. I mean, could have keys in it. So she runs out and she rips it open with anticipation and expectation and excitement. And when she looks, behold, it's a scale that goes zero to 200. How many of you know that's not the kind of expectation she had in her heart? <laughs> and it was a rough year for that brother, to say the least. Maybe a decade, probably a rough decade for that brother. You know, we all go through times of expectation. Expectation is a funny thing because, you know, expectation is hope. And hope is the breeding ground of miracles. And hope is what? It's the breeding ground of disappointment. Because you cannot be disappointed if you don't have expectation. If you have little or no expectation, there's no opportunity to be disappointed. So a lot of us, it's just easier not to build our hope. It's just easier not to get what our expectancy up there. You know, because when you have great expectation, big expectation, huge expectation, you could have a huge reward or a huge disappointment. You see, the, the thing it is, is when, when I look at this and think about it from a human standpoint, we all have our values, right? We have our values of love and of acceptance and of hope. And we got these values of honor and trust and integrity. So if you have a value of hope, then when you're hopeful and you're expectant, we all could say, well, what are you hopeful for? And I would be hopeful for something, and you would be hopeful for something. You see, every one of us, there's triggers connected to our values. And most people don't realize that I have mine and you have yours. You see, every one of us, when we have a value, we have our own set of rules that go with them. Like, for instance, hope. Well, what is hope? Well, What's hope to you? Well, if you're really honest from your heart and not your head what hope is, hope is, well, when I'm 
on the verge of knowing that I'm getting ready to get a gift that I've been really wanting. Or I'm on the, right on the edge and I know that I'm getting ready to get this breakthrough that I've been believing for. Or man, I know that hope is, oh, I'm just going to get this awesome opportunity to have a relationship with the, the love of my life. This is, you put all these rules with what hope is. And a lot of times we have such rules with hope that they can't be met. Hope is I'll have the best gift of all. Hope is this would be the best Christmas I've ever had. Hope is this is going to be the most amazing time. It's going to be perfect. There'll be no problems. The food, nothing to be burnt. Everything will be just right. How many of you know not only is no one perfect, but no event is perfect? So when we put rules with what our expectancy is, when we put rules with what our hope is that we cannot attain, then we'll never be thankful, and we'll never have the fullness of the experience that we've been wanting all along. But when hope is, I can't wait. Every time I get up and I put my feet on the floor, it's a great day. Wow, it's Christmas, and I know it'll be loud and it'll be crazy, but the family will be here. You're not sitting there saying it's got to be a perfect dinner. It's got to be a perfect day. I got to get the perfect present. You're saying anytime our family comes together, it brings hope. Anytime I'm awake another day, I have hope. Anytime I think of my Savior and I'm grateful and I have gratitude, I have hope. Anytime that the sun is shining or the rain is watering the earth, I have hope. You see, expectancy builds and, and our values build. And, but what we got to realize is Jesus gave us a whole set of rules that are different than our rules. He said to receive is to give. He said to live is to die. Wow. We have the same values of living. We have the same values of receiving, but our rules are not the same as his. And the reason we don't experience the height of expectancy, the reason we don't experience the height of hope is because we have the wrong set of rules. But if we'll come into alignment with his rules, then we'll have his hope. If we'll come into alignment with his rules, we'll have his expectancy and his breakthroughs. You see, a lot of things we look at are not breakthroughs, but if you hadn't had all these other events happen, you wouldn't even be here today. But today, I believe that there's many of you here that maybe you've allowed your expectancy to wane. I believe there's some of you came here today with no expectancy, no hope. You're just like, oh, I just want to get through this season because this season can be the toughest season of the year. This can be a season if your relationships have been bad or broken or torn apart. This can be that season where all it does is bring up old feelings and old emotions and old hurts and old wounds. This can be a time when you've had tragedy happen in your family and maybe you can't financially afford to do the things you want to do for the people you love. And it can be a time of hopelessness and a time of low expectancy, if any expectancy at all. But rules is where you give your meaning. But if you redefine your meaning and say, look, 
There's no such thing as a broken relationship. It gives me an opportunity to love someone that has different rules than I do. Maybe their rules don't include honesty. Maybe their rules don't include unconditional love. Maybe their rules are, I'll love you if you, not I'll love you anyway. You see, we might have similar values, but different rules. And if we want to walk in joy, if we want to walk in peace, if we want to walk in true love and fun and, and experience not only eternity in the by and by, but eternity in our heart and our mind and our soul with expectancy and love today, we got to match our expectancy, our hope with that of Christ. Because just as expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles, expectancy on the other side of the corn is the breeding ground of disappointment. So we have a choice today. You see, that's the key gift God gave every human being. We look at it as the key gift is the Savior coming. And of course, without that, we couldn't have Christ. We couldn't have a relationship with the Father. But before that gift, he gave us a, another gift just as important, a gift to choose. Every one of us have a gift to choose. Whether we believe it or not, whether we care or not, God chose every one of us, and it says he gave his son, what? For whosoever will believe. He didn't say, whosoever will believe and you don't do this, you don't do that, and you never do this, and you don't do that over there, and if you do that, you can't think that. No, he said, whosoever believes shall have everlasting life. I mean, he set the bar really low. He didn't even put a bunch of rules with how you have to believe. You just have to believe or make a choice to believe. You could choose that this earth come out some big explosion or with with frogs and ponds and minutia and all that stuff and algae and somehow man came in of all. Or you just believe, bang, God spoke and there it was. It's your choice. It's your choice to believe, is he real or not? It's your choice to believe, is there something greater than you? Something greater than your expectancy? Something greater than your hope? Something that's greater than your love. And when you find meaning, that's your opportunity, even when people have hurt you and betrayed you, it is an opportunity for you to show the greatest love of all that Christ showed to people who didn't deserve it. What if you loved those that persecuted you? Oh, it's quiet. This is supposed to be a sweet little Christmas message. You say, they don't deserve my love. Oh, sounds interesting. They're not worthy of my love. Oh, they betrayed me. They lied on me. They hurt me. They tried to kill me. Hmm, interesting. Kind of sounds like you and I with Christ. But what if you flip the meaning of the betrayal or the backstabbing or the lying maybe even the physical abuse, whatever it is. And you said, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to choose to love them anyway because that's what Christ would do. I didn't say you have to go hang out with them. I didn't say you had to be around. I said, choose to love them. What, what happened just then? When you choose to love those that persecuted you, it elevates you 
It elevates your hope. It elevates your expectancy to say, if I can forgive that person, I can do anything. If I, if I can love that person, I can accomplish anything in this world. Who could love a person that ever did that to them? Who could ever love a person that ever said that about them? Who could ever love a person that accused someone of that? But if I choose love, and I say this, you say, how do you love someone that persecutes you? How do you love someone that lies on you or cheats? Here's how you do it. You give it a new meaning. You say, kind of like Christ gave us a new meaning. And say, their rules are different than mine. They're only able to operate in what they have knowledge of. You only know what you know. But see, the difference is you have a different set of rules and values and you love according to the way you were raised and the way you were brought up. And that's cool. But think about it. Christ brought a whole nother realm of rules that we can't even fathom. We can't even, we're discovering them day after day, week after week, year after year. We're discovering these rules. And it's not rules that are negative and it's not rules that are bad. It is meanings that can give you hope. It is meanings that can free you. It's meanings that can deliver you. It's meanings that can set you free. It's meanings that could save you forever. Man, when I think about expectancy, when I think about how to hold that which is valuable and how to cherish it, I have to think of Mary. And I want to go to Luke's gospel, chapter 2. And I'm going to begin in verse 8. And what I want you to realize is this. Remember this. Christmas is a reminder that faith is the key of your expectations. Faith is the key of your expectations being fulfilled. If you want to walk in fulfillment, remember I taught you over a year ago that success is predictable. Success is a science. If you study certain things, learn certain things, have certain work ethics, work on relationships, work on your skill set, you could find something in this world to be successful at. You could find something in this world to make lots of money. You could find, it's a science. Leadership is a science. And, and you could do that. But fulfillment is an art. Fulfillment is not just some concoction that you lay out, you know, A, you know, plus B minus C equals this. No, no. Fulfillment is an art. And for each one of us, different things fill our tank. For each one of us, fulfillment. Some like to be quiet and just be off to themselves. Some go crazy if they're off to themselves. They got to have someone to talk to, to be fulfilled. Some, you know, they need a lot of things. Some don't really need things because it's a lot of responsibility and headache. They'd rather not have a lot of things. What is it? There's a difference between fulfillment for each one of us. It's an art. But see, if you don't know what fills you and fulfills you, how can you ever have proper expectancy? You see, we got to learn to treasure expectancy. Mary teaches us the secret recipe to cherish, to treasure this beautiful gift God gave you called expectancy. Because expectancy is where faith comes from. Expectancy is what produces faith, what produces hope, what produces results that you believe for. 
So the scriptures show us how that Mary teaches us about the gift of expectancy, and it can be easily missed or forgotten. So let's, let's begin here. Verse 8. That night the, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. And they, were guarding, they were guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. And suddenly what? An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now you're out in the field and it's dark at night and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord. Well, how did they know it was an angel of the Lord? Because when he appeared among them, it said the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Wow. Glory, visibility, Doxa, God made visible, God seen, radiance. When Moses saw the hinder parts of God, he had to put a veil on when he walked amongst the people. The radiance was so strong and the glory would blind them if they looked at his face until that had waned and worn off of his life. You imagine an angel of God showing up in the middle of the desert while you're just doing your normal life? You're just doing your job. You're just doing and providing for your family. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and then the glory of God surrounds them. But look what happens. It said, when this happened, we would think, I just want to feel your presence. And all of a sudden, God shows up, his angels show up, and it lights the room. It lights the desert up. It's the sweetest, most amazing feeling, but yet we're what? Terrified. You know, some people are terrified of fulfillment. Some people are terrified of success. Some people are terrified of intimacy. Some people are terrified to give love because they might not receive love. Sometimes we are terrified of the very thing we desire most. People who feel rejected many times, we, we're terrified because if we take this chance to be nice to someone or to care for them or to serve them, they might reject us. And we allow the feeling of an old rejection to determine that we never have hope and expectancy to have fulfillment of relationship in our life. See, they were terrified. So many times we're terrified of the very thing that God has sent to deliver us. The very thing that God has brought into our life to bring freedom, we avoid and we stay bound. But the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Isn't it great that God didn't pick and choose? He said, to all people. We all have that gift of choice. We all have the gift to choose to forgive, to choose to lay our lives down, to choose to serve, to choose to be there for others. We all have that gift to choose whether we want to receive Christ or not. He's not going to make any one of us receive him. And he said, but that's for all people. Verse 11, it says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in the manger. Think about this, Jesus born in a manger. Jesus born in the manger was the beginning of hope. Jesus born in a manger was the beginning of our eternity. Jesus born in a manger was the beginning of 
unconditional love. What is unconditional love? If it has no conditions, that means that love has no rules. What if you could love with no rules? Well, I would love them if they never murdered someone. I would love them if they never betrayed me. I would love them if they're perfect. I would love them if they're good to me all the time and never mess with my head or mess with my things. See, are you capable of love? You see, a lot of people say, no one ever shakes my hands, but I notice it's the same people that never hold their hands out to be shaken. If I don't give, I can't receive. That's God's rules. But, but, but I want love. Well, if I don't give love, I can't receive love. I want to be served. Well, if I don't serve, I can't receive service. I, I want to be fulfilled, but if I can't fulfill, I can't receive fulfillment. But I want to be successful, but if I can't make others successful, I can't be successful. You see, his rules are different than our rules. Yeah. And we look at rules, oh, they're bad things. No, rules make the game easy. Yeah. You just got to follow them. <laughs> so Jesus born in the manger was the beginning of our promise. Before that manger, just think about it, there was no hope. God hadn't spoken for over 400 years. But now he's born in a manger. You see, Whenever God invades your comfortable life, it can be terrifying. Whenever God invades your life and shakes up your career, it can be scary. When God invades your life and says, now this is a person I have for you, but they don't look like you thought they would and they don't have the background you thought they would. And, but if you give it time, you find out they have more than what you ever dreamed of. You see, God has rules, but the rules are set up so you win. The rules are set up so you don't have to be overwhelmed with the negative things, but they're set up so you can be fulfilled in all things. Wow. I could be fulfilled in failure? Yes. All you have to do is never fail. Oh, no, pastor, that's a paradox. How can I never fail? You choose not to. What if you said, Anytime it looks like I would fail, it's never failure if I learn something from it or I put in 100% effort. Then I never failed. You see, what rules do you live by? How do you set up your life? What are your goals? Do you even know if you hit the mark? Do you even know if you're happy? Sometimes we pray for things and get them, and after a while, we just become familiar to them. You see, it's how God works. When God satisfies our expectations, he always satisfies them bigger than we could ever imagine. The key is how do we imagine them to be? And that's the essence of what the Christmas story is all about. It's the essence of meeting expectation. Christ came to meet not just the expectation to get you to heaven. He came to bring heaven to earth. Wow. Wow. Look at what the scripture says in verses 13 and 14. It says, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. The angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven 
Wait, now wait. This, this isn't like, you know, they saw it in their imagination. These shepherds are out here in the desert, and this big bad angel shows up, and now this big, now a whole army of God shows up. Think about that. They had the armies of God surrounding them, and they weren't even aware of it. They said the armies of heaven showed up, praising God and saying, Pastor Steph hit this last week that the angels only sang at two different, they only sang one time and then they only sing again after the coming of Christ, but they say a lot of things. You see, they said this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom those with whom God is pleased. It's not that God doesn't love you. How could a good father be pleased when he sees a son or daughter going down a road of treachery? How could he be pleased when he sees a son or daughter addicted to something that's destroying their life, destroying their health, destroying their family, destroying their relationships? How could a father that's a loving father be pleased when we run from their love and affection. How could a loving father be pleased when we choose everything but the right thing? It's not that he doesn't love us. He's just not pleased with the path we're on because he has so much more for each one of us. You see, God declares anyone who will accept his love and grace that his peace will invade their lives. His spirit, his presence, his power. So the good news is, is this. We find it in verses 15 through 20. And the good news I'm sharing with you today is that God has given every one of us the right to have and experience expectation. Where's your expectation? Are you stressed out running in the malls trying to get those presents? Are you stressed out ringing up that credit card one more time to buy things you really can't afford that they might love, they might not, they might use, they might lose? Or do you really have the expectation of, you know what, I'm alive another Christmas. You know what, I, I, I'm standing, I'm walking another Christmas. You know, I, I got family members that are still alive. I, I, I got health enough to at least get together and have fun and talk about old times and dream new dreams. I, what if your expectancy levels and your rules were rules you could attain? I mean, do you give your children rules when they're infants? Like, okay, I want you to walk by the age of six months, not 12 or not 18. You know, I want you to have teeth by the time you have nine months. I'm tired of feeding you like this. I want you to be able to hold a fork. I want you to be able to use a knife. By the age of 14 months, I want you to cut your own meat. I'll... I mean, you can have all the kinds of rules, and those rules sound crazy. But then we have crazy rules about happiness. I'll be happy if my body looks the way I always dreamt it would look. But we have this other rule, we hate getting up early and working out. We have rules like, uh, I want the love of my life, and she's amazing, and I can't wait to meet her. But we have this other rule, I'm shy, and I don't like approaching people I don't know very well. It's the same goal, it's the same values, but guess what? There's going to be nothing but disappointment and disillusionment. You see, we got to come to a place where we line our rules 
up to a place where you can succeed. We want to give our kids goals. I want to ask you, if your child has not learned to walk at 12 months, do you just say, that's it? I'm going to give you four more months. After 16 months, they, they can't walk. After two years, 24 stinking months, and they're still crawling and drooling all over everything. I mean, it's 28 months they're not walking. It's 30 months they're not walking. As a parent, what are you going to do? Is anyone going to say, that's it, I'm done with you, love you, you know, we'll drag you around. What, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them, honey, it's, I know it's tough. It was tough for me. It took me a, twice as long to learn to walk. And this is too hard for you. So let's just go on to something else in life. And don't worry about walking. You don't need it that much anyway. I mean, you know, they have wheelchairs and you can drive and new technologies coming out. No. It doesn't matter if it takes five years. You're going to keep going with that kid. You're not going to let up until that kid walks. Well, why would God be disappointed? Because some of us haven't began to walk. We're still crawling. We're in the kingdom, but we're drooling and bumping and biting and tearing stuff out that we can't put back and breaking things that because we can't get a good grasp on them and we lose them and boom and the then we can't put them back here, so we just go to the next thing. Like your grandchildren, Pastor Mark, Brother King, Hudson is the most amazing one out of all of them. I love all the kids. But Mark and I being a medium, we have kind of a thing here where we allow our kids to come and hang out. And my office has a little refrigerator and goodies and drinks. But Hudson was like this. He would come in and he'd be looking. And Mark's like, Hudson? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we'll be in a conversation, and we're looking, and he's got a drawer open. Whoa, he don't even look. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, Hudson, no. And then he'll go to a bookcase. He don't look. I mean, he's like this tall, and he's just, it, it was fun just grabbing hold of it and moving in motion. And I, and I mean, he three minutes, and everything in the office would be on the floor. And I used to laugh at Mark because he's getting red. He's like, no, Hudson, no. Finally, he gets up and gets him, you know, and, Somebody, go out here, Hudson. But what was so beautiful about it, that's the way we are a lot of times if we don't progress as children of God, if we don't increase our expectancy. But see, that behavior, even though it was beautiful, raw, and natural, and obviously he's going to be an adventurer and explorer and have a crazy faith because he had faith to open every drawer in the office. So you know he has faith. So in the core of Hudson, he's going to be a, an amazing man of God. But in that infant stage... It can be a little bit of a pain, a little bit of a terror. Sometimes he embarrassed you. Sometimes he made you uncomfortable. Me, I had two older kids. I just laughed at Mark. It was funnier laughing at him, stressing. I'm in here with my pastor, my boss, and my kids over here. Why is that? See, in our core, we're adventurers. In our core, we have expectancy. In our core, we have love with no rules. In our core, we have hope. In our core, we have good things. But if we don't progress and get beyond crawling to walking to maturing, then it does disappoint God. He's not disappointed in you. He's disappointed in the life you've chosen. You know, you could choose a life to give your life to Christ and barely make it to heaven and break a lot of people and a lot of things on the way and be miserable and unhappy. You can do that. You have a choice. Or you can choose to have a life that's mediocre and you stay between the lines and it's safe. 
got security. You don't do anything great. You don't do anything horrible. You, you look at other people when they do bad things, you're like, I'll never do that. Thank goodness. You'll, you'll never take a chance. And you'll never walk in faith, but you'll get there. Or you could be one of those like Hudson, adventurer, and just ready to go. But every stage of your life, live it to the fullest. God can use you in such a mighty way. Don't be afraid to color outside the lines. Don't, don't be afraid because you could color outside the line. And, you know, I, I never was a, a very art, artistic kid. So I color out the lines. Well, it doesn't erase. So I might as well draw something else over here. And you never know. That might be better than your original draw. You just keep connecting. Before long, you don't just have a little stick kid. You have a stick family. You know, God can take your coloring outside the lines. He can take what you go outside your boundaries and he can create a whole nother realm of fulfillment for you. But you have to make a choice. And that choice is to trust him. That choice is to know he loves me unconditionally. That choice is to know that he is the one that fulfills me and that through Christ, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all. When you come to the end of your rope, great, that's the time for the miracle to take place. When you've done all you can do, great, that's the time to be expected and know that it's breakthrough time. If, 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 wow. What if there's no limits? It's just an opportunity. Yeah, but if I don't get healed of this disease, I'm going to die. But what if it's an opportunity? Well, I die, but I'll miss my family and I'll miss my loved ones. And, 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 and you know, I really don't know. It's unexpected what's over there. I've read the Bible and heard it preached, but, you know, heaven sounds good. But, you know, I don't, I know that God's real and he saved me, but, and, and I don't want to miss my family. And I, but what if you looked at it like this? I'm the adventurer and if I go first, I win the race because the ultimate goal is to get to heaven, right? To be with God forever. And if I go, and I don't want to go to heaven, but I set an example for those I leave behind that life is fun and heaven is great. And all it is is a promotion. It's not a demotion. I get to be the example that I always wanted to be for my family and the greatest time that others would look at as a failing time, a tragic time, I can make a joyful time. You see, if you're fearing death, guess what? If you fear it one time a week, that's 52 times a year. In 10 years, that's 520 times. And, a, and ever, just keep multiplying. Before long, you're going to be fearing something, an event that hasn't happened thousands of times before it ever happens. And you only really have to experience it one time. And... You may not even have to experience. You could be like Enoch, you was, you was not, or you could be here during the rapture, be taken up. But you fear it. Why? We fear the unknown. What if we embraced the unknown? What if we did what Mary did and we protected it in her heart? See, see, Mary, what did she do? Let me read this, I guess, okay? So the angels heard to heaven, wherever I was. When the angels had returned to heaven, okay, they returned to heaven in verse 15, and the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
Well, you have a little confidence when the whole army of God is hanging out with you in a stinking desert. It didn't take a lot for the shepherds to have faith at that point, right? And so what did they do? They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary, everyone say, but Mary. But Mary, what? Kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. What did Mary do? She treasured up. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. And everyone was astonished but Mary. But the next verse says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary responded differently than everyone else because Mary knew the event of the manger was just the beginning. She had already experienced the angel. She had already experienced the Holy Spirit putting the seed of Christ in her. She had already been impregnated and had to walk in faith. And, and Joseph had to have a dream from God. A lot of miraculous events had to happen to keep them together. But if we had great faith, would we need to see miracles to be encouraged? I'm asking. If we have great faith, if we have great love, if we have great hope, if we have great expectancy, must we have every breakthrough to walk in faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped or expected for. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What? The evidence of things not seen. So if I haven't seen it, I couldn't have experienced it. Hmm. See, then you got to ask yourself a question, Tony. Are you going to be upset because you haven't seen it? Or are you going to keep expecting? Have you ever noticed the present you waited on the longest and you knew you were getting it, but it just, you just kept expecting, expecting, expecting. And the longer you waited, the longer you waited, the more you enjoyed that present, right? You took care of that present more than any. There could be presents giving you way more valuable than this little present you got. And you got this little, but you've been wanting this for years. You finally got it. For me, it's that little Daisy BB gun, you know, that was my present. And then I shot my older cousin in the chest with it and I lost my BB gun. I was a little kid, and he was walking toward me, and I just, boop, didn't know. But, boy, I loved that BB gun. I treasured it. And I had fun with it while I had it, Sam. But then there's times that happen in your life that you lose what you treasure most. Well, whether you're going to be happy or depressed depends on the meaning you give it. Well, I couldn't do that at the age of six or maybe seven, however old I was. But later I could have said, well, if I was a little more mature, I could have said, well, you know, it just went under the skin and my cousin Theodore, isn't that funny, Theodore? Theodore's chest, and, you know, he was about 13, and, you know, good thing is I didn't put his eye out and, you know, if I had that BB gun and mom didn't take it for a year, maybe I would have put my brother's eye out. 
But I eventually got the BB gun back because I changed my behavior. What I really changed? I changed my rules. You see, you not only have the power, Paul, to change your mind, to make decisions, you have the power to change your rules. You have the power to change your rules to what makes you happy. Well, I want more joy, but Galatians 5 says if you're a child of God, you already have joy. It says in the Holy Spirit is joy, temperance, kindness, meekness, faith, and long-suffering, which is patience. It's all in the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you. So all those things you've been wanting are not hidden. They're not out in the by and by. God, could you make me happy? Lord, could you just give me peace? He did. In the Holy Spirit is joy, temperance, kindness, meekness, peace, faith, long-suffering. The seven fruits of the Spirit are all in the Holy Spirit in you. Everything you could imagine, faith, patience, everything you're believing for is in you. But we wait for someone else or God to make us peace, joy, fulfilled, happy. And any time, my friend, as we get ready to end here, any time you put your joy in someone else's hands, even God's, you will probably lose it. Because God's rules are not the same as yours. Because he doesn't see that you have problems. He sees you have learning opportunities. And guess what? If there wasn't learning opportunities, you'd still be sucking your thumb, living in the floor of some nursing home. You would, your mom and dad probably already gone. You'd be sucking your thumb, living in some nursing home somewhere if you didn't have problems. You know, like getting up, going to school, studying, graduating, going to that four-letter word, work. see, you could dread it, you could hate it, and it doesn't rob you of anything. It's just you don't treasure joy. You don't treasure peace. You don't treasure love. You don't treasure hope. So if I don't treasure it, if I don't focus on it, if I'm not, it's not valuable to me, I won't experience it or experience it to its full capacity. That's why the Bible says greater is what he who is in you than he who is in this world. That's why the scripture says what's happening. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But if I'm just focused on the weapon and I build the weapon of, 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 of uh, disappointment, betrayal, abuse, addiction, if I lack fear, sickness, disease, unforgiveness, bitterness. If I build that up in my mind and that's all I focus on, guess what? I get what I ask for and I get and I ask for what I focus on. Because greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. But if I elevate, I have the power to elevate the world above myself. And then I'm dependent on the world to make me happy. 
We're in one of the greatest economies we've ever experienced, but we can look at it. Yeah, but it's going to crash. Yeah, it's going to go down. The, mar the market's going to be bare. It's going to be, well, what if you made more money when it went down? What if you had a little nest egg over here and you're going to buy those best stocks that just always come back? Apple or whatever, you're going to buy them when they drop, you know, 60% and everything crashes. You're going to make the money of three lifetimes because of the crash. See, there's a difference between allowing the world to set the standard for my success, the world set the standard for my joy, the world set the standard for my fulfillment, than me defining it through the rules of God. You see, Mary treasured up that baby inside her. She treasured it. When he was in the manger, she treasured it. She treasured him for 30 years before he ever stepped into his calling. 30 years. And then the last three and a half years, she is there every step of the way, even at the cross, knowing that her son had to die and not just die to be bludgeoned, to be murdered, naked in front of all. As a thief, as a betrayer, which was the opposite of who he is. But what did Jesus, this is his rules. If you ever think you've been done so bad, you can never forgive someone. I didn't say you have to go hang out with him, but I say forgive him. Then think about Jesus. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You see, you put in your mind that they knew exactly what they were doing, but maybe they didn't. You just gave them that definition. Maybe they were acting on an emotion. Maybe they feel worse than you do because they did that to you. Whatever it is. But if you give it a meaning, it has power. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. If I give it meaning, it has power. It's the same way in my relationship. I will walk with Christ. If I give it meaning and I treasure it up, it has power. It's the same way with my intellect, my knowledge, my, my health, my wisdom, my spirit. If I treasure it up. It has higher value and gives a greater return. What are you treasuring up? Are you treasuring up broken relationships? Oh, they'll just be like the other one, the last one. All the good ones are gone. There's no good ones left. See, you attract what you are. Some people, why do I always get the bad boys? Because in your what you got in your mindset is bad, but in the core you're good. And if you would give it all to Christ, but I am a Christian, I am a child of God. I just get the bad boys. Yeah, but you don't treasure the Christ in you at a high enough level. If you would treasure that and go by the way He wants you to live, you would attract the dream guy of your life. But you'll never attract that guy until you treasure up your relationship with God. And realize there was a man that loved you so much he already died for you, named Jesus. Yeah, but I never had a father. He said, I'll be the father to the fatherless, the mother to the motherless, the husband to the widow. You see, 
every rule you've set to cause you to be miserable, isolated, broken, in fear, worn out, worn down, tired, and over it, he has another rule you could plug in to bring fulfillment, deliverance, love, hope, acceptance, faith, and breakthrough. But shh, 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 it's that little gift he gave us that sometimes doesn't seem like a gift. It's called choice. Choice. Decision. The most powerful resource you have is a decision. As a matter of fact, you are a decision. You and I are the sum total of every decision we've ever made right now. I look the way I look because that's my standard. I, I have the level of joy that I have because I have a standard. I'm not going to be any less joy than this or any less happy than this. What if I just raise my standard for a greater level of happiness? What if I raise my standard for a greater level of joy? What if I raise my standard for a greater level of health and fulfillment? Guess what? I might just get it. What if I didn't just put it just a little under the notch in case I didn't get it, but I doubled what I really need? And if I just get a C minus, 50%, a D, fail it by the world's standards, I accomplish it by God's will. See, whose rules are you living by? Whose standards are you living by? Today, you can make a decision. Today, you can change everything. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Not even your preacher. This is the day. This is the moment. This is the time. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you today, you in here say, man, I just came to hang out today and see the kids sing and, you know, and, whew, this is kind of a heavy, revy Christmas message. I was looking for the Christmas story or something, you know, some warm milk under a tree, some brownies. But what's this? Let me ask you. There's nothing, I, normally I'd say, what's still in your joy? What's still in your hope? but that would make it seem as though you had no control over it. Well, you can't stop a thief, right? A thief's crafty and good. No, it's not what's been stolen from you. I want to ask you, what have you given away? What happiness have you given up on? What peace have you surrendered? What joy and hope and love have you surrendered over? What is it you need to take back this morning that's rightfully yours? What through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, joy, temperance, patience, faith, meekness, love, hope. What do you need to stir in you this morning so that, again, this will be the greatest day of your life, the greatest week, the greatest Christmas, the greatest month going into 2019, the greatest year of your life, what is it that you need to reclaim and stop saying it's broken or it's missing? See, the only reason you're discouraged is because you focus on what's broken or missing. But if you focus on what's true and real and God, what he said about you, 
you'll be so excited with anticipation, hope, and fun. It'll almost be funner waiting for the big prize you've been waiting on because you're going to be so excited until you even get it. Then you'll just have to set your standard higher and go for something else. 